Lord God, Heavenly Father, our hearts do hunger for you. We long for you. We give you praise and honor and glory. And we thank you for the life that you have given us in Christ Jesus. As we come before your word this morning, fill us through the Holy Spirit so that we may love you more fully, giving you honor and praise and glory day in and day out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are picking up our study in the book of Revelation. The last two weeks, we spent some time in Revelation chapter 4. And we saw first the throne of God and how glorious that throne was. And then him who sits on the throne and all the colors associated with God, the diamond brilliance, the the ruby red, the emerald green. So we were around the throne. We saw the cherubim. And the cherubim we saw throughout Scripture, even starting in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, then on the temple curtain that they were there protecting, so to speak, what God had declared holy and pointing to the holiness of him who is on the throne. We saw the elders, and the elders representing the redeemed saints around the throne. And around God, they took off their crowns, and they tossed them before him because he is so powerful, majesty, holiness, above all creation. This is what we saw in chapter 4 of Revelation. And it was an awe that was before the throne. John felt awe. And what is awe? It is an overwhelming feeling of reverence, admiration, and fear produced by coming into the presence of him who is majestic and above all things. I think in the church we have lost much of the sense of awe of God. But this is what we found in chapter 4 of Revelation. And now in chapter 5 we are going to come in that awe, in that presence, and see Jesus, our Redeemer, the Lamb of God. So we start with Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. So we begin in chapter 5 with a view of a scroll. And this is a very special scroll because it comes from God, the Father, the creator of all things. And we find out a couple things about the scroll. It comes from the right hand of God. When something comes from the right hand of God, it speaks to the authority that God has. It speaks to his power and to his majesty, his sovereignty above all things, the right hand of God. The second thing we find is that it is written on the front, on the inside, and the outside. The way it's described here is that there is nowhere that it is not written on. This speaks to the completeness, the fullness of God's word and that it has seven seals. Seven, we're going to find out, is a number throughout Revelation. It speaks to a completeness. Think seven days of creation, complete. And so when it is sealed with seven seals, it means that it is completely sealed. But what is this scroll? 
What is the scroll that is in the right hand of God? And so we actually get a little bit of glimpse of this from our reading from Ezekiel, and that's why I included it. From Ezekiel chapter 2, just verse 9 and 10. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me, and it had writing on the front and back, and there were written on it words and lamentation and mourning and woe. This is the scroll that God gave to Ezekiel. And the scroll was lamentation, mourning, and woe. To speak of those three things really says the depth of what that scroll contained. It's a scroll of judgment, isn't it? When you have a scroll that speaks of lamentation, mourning, and woe, that is a judgment. So it was a judgment on the nation of Israel when Ezekiel got it. But is that the same type of scroll? Well, yes. When we let Scripture interpret Scripture, we find that the scroll that is in the right hand of God in Revelation chapter 5 is a scroll of judgment. And if you want validation for that, simply read chapter 6, 7, 8, and going forward in the book of Revelation. It is a scroll of severe judgment. You've heard the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You've heard of that? That's in chapter 6 of the book of Revelation. And when we talk about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, it is not a good thing. There is war, there is famine, there is death. And so each time one of these seals is open, a judgment is released upon the world. So this is a scroll of judgment that is in the right hand of God. Some commentators talk about this as an analogy, that this is the title or the deed to all of creation. And God the Father has this title and has this deed. He is the author of this title. He is the author of these judgments. It is the fullness of the plan of creation that he has in his hand, and it is immutable. It cannot be changed. Jesus himself said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So thus the scroll and its words are judgments against evil, and God's word will never pass away. So who would you trust opening that scroll? Who would you trust to open up the fullness of God's judgment against all evil? Let's go on in our reading. Verse 2. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. So a mighty angel with a loud voice in heaven says, who is worthy to open the scroll and break the seals? Imagine, if you would, that statement, that question uttered in silence. There was no answer. It says, and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. That means there is no creature 
No created being in all of the universe, all the heaven, all of the earth, that is worthy to open the scroll. Not the cherubim who are around the throne, not the elders, the redeemed saints who are around the throne. Not even the mighty patriarchs of the Bible, Abraham, Moses, David. No one was found worthy to open up the scroll. Now, it wasn't because of their physical ability to open the scroll. That's not it. That's not the question that's being posed here. The question that's being posed here is who is morally worthy to open up the scroll? And this is why perhaps John weeps. He weeps because there's no created thing that is worthy to open the scroll. But an elder says to him, verse 5, Weep no more. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. The line of the tribe of Judah. This is one of the titles of Jesus. The line of the tribe of Judah. And it refers from Genesis chapter 49, starting with verse 8. By the way, have you started to notice how many references there are to the Old Testament in the book of Revelation, the last book of the New Testament, referencing many things found in the Old Testament? So thus we see how Scripture is all tied together. But in Genesis chapter 49, it is Jacob who had 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. And he is near his death, and he is giving a blessing to each of the sons. This is what he says to Judah. Genesis chapter 49, starting verse 8. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness. Who dare rouses him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until the tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. This is the blessing that Jacob gave to Judah, and now fulfilled in Christ Jesus the title, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. So let's pause here for a little bit and just talk about a lion. When you think of a lion, you think of a very powerful beast. You think of a beast of majesty, a beast of great strength, power, and might that dispatches justice. King of the jungle, they say, right? This is the power. Now, when you're at a zoo and there's a window between you and the lion, no problem at all, right? But if there was no window there... Would you dare rouse the lion? You would not, would you? Because you know the power and majesty and strength of that lion. This is why C.S. Lewis, who wrote the uh, Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, made into a movie. Most people at least know that one. This is why Lewis had a great insight, and he made the Jesus figure in that series 
to be a lion. And the lion's name was Aslan. Aslan's described as the king of Narnia, the king of beasts, the lord of the wood. He is the embodiment of all that is good and just and right and perfect. And it's interesting to note that the children, the children in the story, when they hear, just even hear the name of Aslan, they're moved. Now, one is moved with dread because he had betrayed the lion. One is filled with excitement. One is filled with peace. Isn't that interesting? That at the name of Aslan, no one is neutral. There is a reaction no matter what. And I think that's Lewis's great insight in this. Because at the name of Jesus, no one is neutral. No one is neutral at the name of Jesus. For those who know him and call him Lord and Savior, the line of the tribe of Judah will give you great comfort, will great, give you great courage and boldness. But for those who reject Jesus, the line of the tribe of Judah, there is fear and there is trembling. Even the demons know this. Do you remember the demon-possessed man? It's found in Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel. It says of him, of the demon, his name is Legion, for he is many. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 8, verse 28. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. Even the demon knowing Jesus in his presence, was trembling with fear of what the line of the tribe of Judah could do. Everybody will pay Jesus tribute. It does not matter who you are. Philippians chapter 2, it says this, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen to what was said in Genesis chapter 49 now. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. We find that in Genesis, we find that in Philippians, we find it in Revelation. Everyone will pay tribute. So Jesus is the line of the tribe of Judah. He is also the root of David. This again has another Old Testament reference to it. Jeremiah chapter 23. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In the, his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is righteous. This is Jesus, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the righteous one. Is there any question in your mind that he will conquer over all? There is no question whatsoever. 
And that's why the elder says, weep no more. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. So he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Now, if you have just heard that and have that understanding and you turn to look at the throne of God, would you not expect Jesus, the line of the tribe of Judah, come out? But we get something very different. We get the Lamb of God. Verse 6, And between the throne, the four living creatures and the elders, I saw a lamb standing, as though it had been slain, with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. This is not a picture of Jesus as the cuddly lamb that you normally think about. This is a lamb that has been slain. This is Jesus, the Paschal Lamb, the Passover Lamb. Again, we find that going back to the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 12. A lamb was sacrificed, and then what happened? The blood was taken, and where was it put? Do you remember? Over the door. And do you remember why the blood was over the door? So death would pass over. So the judgment of God would pass over the people. Jesus is the Paschal Lamb who was sacrificed, and by his blood and his blood alone, the judgment of God passes over us. This is the Lamb that John the Baptist declared, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world so that you and I, covered by the blood of the Lamb, would receive eternal life. This is who stands before the throne of God. Whereas Jesus, the line of the tribe of Judah, had glory, the Lamb has humility. Where there is justice from the line, there is mercy from the Lamb. Where there is majesty from the line, there is meekness. Where there is sovereignty, there is now submission. Where there is conquering, in the Lamb there is suffering. This is the Lamb of God who stands before the throne between God and us. And we are covered by his blood that he takes away our reproach. And this Lamb is unique. It is a bloody Lamb, a Lamb that has been slain, and it has seven horns and seven eyes and seven spirits. Do you remember what seven was for? stood for completeness. So when it says seven three times here describing the Lamb, it is the as high as you can go for completeness. The seven horns represent the might and righteousness and justice. With seven horns, he possesses all the authority to rule in heaven and on earth. With seven eyes... It means he sees everything. There is nothing that he does not see. There's nothing 
hidden from his sight. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the entire world. Proverbs 15, verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on every evil and good. And when it says seven spirits, it refers to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. This is the perfect lamb and the line of the tribe of Judah. Do you remember what the mighty angel asked? Who is worthy to take the scroll? And now... His question is answered. It is the Lamb of God, and he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who was sitting on the throne. The Lamb of God. He and he alone is worthy. He and he alone is pure and righteous. This is what we have in the throne around the throne in Revelation chapter 5. I struggled a little bit with the application of this, but I think it is thus. When you pray to Jesus, do you pray to him knowing he is the lion of the tribe of Judah with that power and majesty and might? When you pray to Jesus, do you also pray knowing that he is the Lamb of God and it is only by his blood that you are redeemed? This is the awe that we come into the throne of heaven. And next week we are going to sing praises to the Lord in the wonderful crescendo of glory and honor. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, which you have given us. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the lion of the tribe of Judah and that you are the lamb who was slain. And we give you praise and honor and glory in the fullness of who you are. Amen. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com.